Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Just ask, at this point, do you think that empowering McHenry for a short period of time might give you more chance to win over some of those skeptical we're, Republicans? We're looking to bring the conference together. We're going to talk about all kinds of options, I think, at the, uh, is, is that at the conference. Well, you're going to have to because the vote got canceled. You want to talk about screwing with the show, people. Jim Jordan's messing with everything. They actually did have a conference conversation today. And they decided no vote on the speaker. Now there's a conversation of whether or not to empower Patrick McHenry, the speaker pro tem, whether or not they're going to empower him to either A, have uh, more opportunities to bring uh, legislation to the floor, or B, are they going to vote for him for Speaker of the House? Moments ago, on the House floor. The chair has examined the journal of the last day's proceedings and announces to the House the approval thereof. Pursuant to Clause 1 of Rule 1, the journal stands approved. The Pledge of Allegiance will be led today by the gentleman from New York, Mr. Higgins. Well, I love the Pledge of Allegiance. Very nice, very good. But but what about the, the speaker vote? Pursuant to Clause 12A of Rule 1, the chair declares the House in recess subject to the call of the chair. Oh, okay. So I said speaker designate. No, no, no. Uh, Speaker pro tem. There is no speaker designate. As a matter of fact, that's still Jim Jordan. Jordan will back McHenry, but Jordan's still the speaker designee, according to the Republican conference. I, uh, I don't. I have no idea what anybody is supposed to take from this. This is nuts. Surreal. Crazy. And uh, looks really bad, too. It looks very, very bad that you didn't have it. Why did you bring the previous votes? Who did you think you were going to get on your side? We spoke earlier today with Congressman Greg Pence, Greg Pence of Indiana, the Indiana 6th District. And he was very clear. The votes for, for, for Jim Jordan were not there. I understand everybody's position. Their, their responsibility is to represent their district but it's my responsibility to also support the party once we've made a decision behind closed doors. And we're not doing that right now. And I, I know you're going to ask me who do I think uh, uh, could come forward. Uh, I don't even know. There's a Let's number of names. A, uh, go ahead. I want to take a step back talking to Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th District. Did you just say there are going to be six to ten more defections from Jim Jordan, as in we'll see even more people vote against him for speaker? 
That is the word uh, on the Hill this morning. And I believe that's actually true because I heard it from people that enjoined yesterday, one of the two of the four, uh, you know, we two people uh, voted for uh, Jim with, that didn't vote the first time, and four people voted against him yesterday for the second vote. Uh, and I talked to two of those that had changed their vote against Jim, and they said they know of uh, six to ten more. So, yes, uh, it'll, it's going to grow. It's, it's a strategy of people that, are, that have been offended by the, the um, aggressive tactics, the intimidation uh, that the, the people around Jim employed over the weekend and on Monday. Uh, people don't like, you know, we're the House of Representatives. We don't have outside parties intimidate us and threaten us uh, that we will vote a certain way. I'll continue to, I'll vote for my, if Jim comes to the floor today, if, then I will vote for Jim Jordan because that's how he got elected in conference. We have heard about the the phone calls. We had Congresswoman Victoria Sparks on the show yesterday. She discussed this issue, but did not get in into details. You use the word intimidation. Members, constituents calling their 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 elected representative makes perfect sense to me, and I would consider that to be part of the job. What do you mean by intimidation, sir? We're going to go after you. Uh, uh, death threats. Mary Miller Meek, credible uh, death threats. She had voted for Jim on the first vote, and then yesterday she changed because in the interim she had received death threats, offices uh, screaming and yelling at staffers that you tell your boss to change his votes or he's going to be sorry. I mean, literal threats. Yeah. Not down for that. That was Congressman Greg Pence just earlier today, but he had it right. People were defecting, and there might not be a vote, and now there is no vote on speaker the information is coming in fast i've got congressman jim banks waiting in the wings to tell us what in the world is going on that's up next i'm tony katz and this is tony katz today not only no speaker of the house no vote on speaker of the house Jim Jordan doesn't have the votes. Now there's a conversation about whether or not they will back McHenry, Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. Will they indeed imbue him with more power as Speaker Pro Tem, or will they actually vote for him as Speaker? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd, Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. And we, we spoke about this yesterday, about the madness, about Jim Jordan getting less votes the second go-around than the first uh, go-around. You voted for Jordan on both uh, of these votes. What happened in the conference to prevent a vote from even going forward today? Well, Tony, I just walked out of the Republican conference meeting, and uh, uh, today the Republican leadership, um, and I say that word with, uh, a lot of reservations because there is no Republican leadership in the House at this point. They want to move forward with this motion to empower the Speaker Pro Tem, the temporary Speaker Patrick McHenry, uh, and and they'll they'll need Democrat votes by the way to do it. It'll take like a, a deal with the a deal with the devil, making a deal with the Democrats to empower the temporary Speaker and give him powers to essentially be the the Speaker of the House. That's not what our voters sent us here to do. They gave us the majority. 
to fight back against the radical Biden agenda, the radical Democrats to save our country. And now we're turn- now what these guys want to do is turn the majority back over to the Democrats. It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in politics, a big and giant mistake. If that's, if that's what Republicans are going to do, they don't deserve the majority in the first place. Uh, we spoke yesterday. I spoke with Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the Indiana 5th yesterday. I spoke today with Congressman Je- uh, Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th. And this conversation of there were a lot of phone calls, a lot of pressure. And some of that pressure was pretty nasty and that members took serious offense to it. What were there? Was it offensive that members got calls from their constituents saying vote for Jim Jordan? Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, your, your constituents and voters are calling you and saying follow through and do what you told, what you said you were going to do during the campaign season. That's not a that's not a threat. That's a do the right thing. Now, if there were death threats, I've had death threats, um, serious uh, death threats, and I've turned those over to the Capitol Police and they've been handled. In fact, I got a very serious threat a couple of days ago. It said, don't come home if you vote for Jim Jordan for speaker. I don't blame the people who oppose Jim Jordan for that threat. That's just a crazy person on Twitter that posted something they shouldn't have, so I turned it over to the Capitol Police. But don't hide behind that and then walk out onto the floor of the House and betray your voters, the very people who sent you here, to fight on behalf of this great country, which is under attack by the radical left unlike ever before. Don't hide behind that as your reason not to put Jim Jordan, the the obvious best person uh, to be in the Speaker's chair, to elect him to be the Speaker of the House so we can move beyond this madness and move forward and do our job. And that's what a lot of these guys are doing. Also, Tony, it's not lost in me that a big block of the Republicans who are not voting for Jim Jordan for Speaker are on the Appropriations Committee. They're big spending Republicans that are afraid of Jim Jordan being a budget cutter and and uh, focusing on, on uh, reducing the deficit and the national debt. These are establishment, old-school Republicans who aren't on the same page as our voters, and they don't want to put the guy in the speaker's chair who's, who's serious about doing something about the biggest issues in our country. So that, that's what's going on here. I'm livid about it. This is a, what, what, what could potentially happen today in this, this uh, empowerment of the temporary speaker of the House is giving the Republican majority over to the Democrats and allowing the Democrats to control it. And I, I've never seen a bigger betrayal of Republican voters than this if that's what's going to happen. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, candidate for Senate, Republican candidate for Senate. Um, I, I, I Name names. Who, who are the people that are afraid that Jim Jordan is going to cut too much spending? Well, there are 20 of them that voted against him yesterday. I mean, I, but I, you're, I, but are you, I you're making the, the claim list. with specificity that that's the reason. Yeah. They want to say it's about getting threats or being bullied and... And, and hide behind excuses like that. But these are squishy Republicans who don't want to put a conservative rock star in the speaker's chair. That, that's that, that's the that's the true reason they don't want Jim Jordan to be the speaker, because he is a rock ribbed conservative who's serious about cutting the budget, securing the border, taking on China, holding Joe Biden and the Biden administration accountable for their abuses of power. That's why they don't want him in the chair. There's no other reason for it. If, if, if they want to hide behind petty personalities and differences they've had in the past. But the fact of the matter is the, these holdouts, the people that won't vote for Jim Jordan to put him in the speaker's chair, are doing it because they are squishy Republican members of Congress. And I hope, I hope their voters are paying attention. I mean, I hope, I hope their voters 
uh, take action in the next election and uh, send them back home than, rather than send them to Washington D.C. because they're not part of they're not part of saving this country. They're part of they're they're part of the go along to get along week of the Republican Party that's working with the Democrats to do our country in. I'm not going to go along with it. I'm going to vote against this motion to empower the temporary speaker, and I want us to go back to work, go back in the room, and if Jim Jordan doesn't have the votes to be the speaker, then bow out of the race and let the next guy stand up and run for it, and let's keep doing it until we elect a Republican speaker of the House, and then we can get back to work. Well, you you bring up uh, a point. uh, It was actually the question I was going uh, to, to ask. Reality is you need a speaker, and if Jim Jordan can't get the votes, who is up next? You just said that you would be okay with going to next man up, who is it? I don't know. Um, there are other people in the room who I could vote for. Um, I want. There's nothing I've ever wanted more than for, in, in my entire time in Congress than for Jim Jordan to be the Speaker of the House because I believe he's the fighter that we need. But if he can't get the votes, then let's look at someone like Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin who chairs the Select Committee on China. I'm a part of it. Uh, the most important issue of our time, taking on our biggest adversary, uh, a guy like Michael Waltz, from Florida, a strong conservative, a veteran, and uh, someone who I admire. Um, there, there, I could go on with a long list of others that could potentially be very good speakers for this time. There are other people who are talking about it. Let's not elect a Democrat-controlled Speaker of the House, though. That betrays our voters. They gave us a majority, and now we're handing it over to Democrats. If that's so your argument is that it's not that you think Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, Congressman McHenry, is a bad guy. It's that you think that the way he would get more power would eliminate the importance and the value of having the majority in the House to begin with. That, that's right. But I, I, do have, I do have concerns about empowering someone to negotiate like the upcoming spending deal, the CR, with the Democrats. Um, he's not... McHenry is not the guy that I want. I want to go into the room with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and negotiate with them. I want a conservative to go do that. I want a rock ribbed Republican to go negotiate on behalf of the House Republican majority. But if we allow the Democrats, this is this was what made this such a tragic mistake to oust McCarthy to begin with. Every Democrat voting with eight Republicans to oust the speaker, the Republican speaker of the House. Now, now what you're going to see today, if they if they walk off, if, they, if Republicans walk off the plank and pass this motion, is that the Democrats are going to join a small number of Republicans and pick the next Speaker of the House. That's why it was a mistake to begin with. Um, absolutely a shame. One, one, one of the biggest embarrassments and, a, and most historic mistakes in Republican Party history is what's been going on on here for the last couple of weeks. And if the Democrats choose in a Republican majority, the Democrats choose the Speaker of the House, even temporarily, it is a giant betrayal to our Republican voters who gave us the majority to begin with. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He has been in the room. He has been voting for uh, Jim Jordan, but that is not to be the case. And I, I must say, it was it was Speaker McCarthy who had his shortlist, and McHenry was on the top of his shortlist regarding who should be uh, – Pro tem, if he should be uh, removed, if the motion to vacate should go forward, you voted uh, for for McCarthy on, on repeated votes. So someone may ask the question as to why is now McHenry such a such a problem? Well, McHenry wasn't chosen by the con- the conference, by the body, by a majority of the Republicans in the room. But but furthermore, I mean, take Patrick McHenry's 
uh, word for it himself. He has said repeatedly in all of our conference meetings, his job is to do one thing, and that's oversee the election of the next Speaker of the House. It's not to be the Speaker of the House. And that he's made that abundantly clear to all of the Republicans in the room. He's never said that he wants to be the Speaker of the House. He says his job is to oversee the election of the next Speaker of the House. So a, a motion, uh, even against Patrick McHenry's will to be the temporary Speaker of the House, once again, betrays the voters who sent us here to begin with. A big mistake. I'm not going along with it. You have brought up the level of mistake, and I have discussed it myself, uh, that you don't make a move without a plan, and the removal of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker without a plan was only going to lead to a problem, and, and here we are. Will Matt Gates be held responsible, sir? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, his voters will have to make that judgment call next year. I don't know when the primary is in Florida, but... His voters will have to decide that. I've told Matt, I, I work very closely with Matt. We serve on committees together. We work on a lot of really important issues. And, you know, most of the time we're on the same page. I think this was a, a giant mistake. And I've told him that if Jim Jordan became the Speaker of the House, then that would be an upgrade. But that, if that's not going to happen, then this is a colossal mistake. And, um, you know, ultimately his voters have to decide if he'll be held accountable for it or not. How many in the conference? I'd be curious to know what what happens in the conference. The fly on the wall. If you can just share what the what what the meeting was like. Let me start there. How cantankerous is it in the room? It's very tense. I mean, it's been going on for a couple of weeks now, and you know, it's uh, the these conference meetings. We 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 check our phones because they don't want people to leak what's going on in the room. It all gets leaked anyway. Um, uh, you know, I look around. Some people keep their phones anyway, but to try to have constructive dialogue and a discussion. But, you know, it's, this is the thing, Tony, I've been thinking a lot about this. We, we have no leadership. And the Democrats are so good at this. If you watch what they just did, Speaker Pelosi uh, retired. She handed the baton off to a younger member, a younger face of the Democrat Party, Hakeem Jeffries, Denny Hoyer, longtime uh, majority uh, leader and, and leader in the Democrat Party, he uh, hands off his leadership position to, I think her name is Kathleen Clark from New York or from, from uh, New England. Um, but they stuck around to help groom and mentor them. I mean, the, the Democrats figure this out. They're so good at, at raising up the next generation of leaders and training leaders within their ranks. Republicans are horrible at this. I mean, uh, we, we, don't, we don't have a crop of emerging leaders. That's what I'm, I'm trying to be. I'm running for the United States Senate, as you know, to be a, a a new face, a new, a new leader in, in the Republican Party where there is a vacuum of leadership, where people, people hang on and hold on for too long. We need a new crop. That's why I said Mike Gallagher a little bit, a bit ago, a, a rock star in the Republican conference who doesn't necessarily want to be in leadership. But he's the right kind of, the right caliber, a guy who could be a strong Speaker of the House or a strong leader for our party. We need to, we need to identify these new, my, my generation of leaders and start raising them up rather than stomping them out. And Republicans do a really poor job of that. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. I'm sure we're going to check in again uh, in, in the future. What comes next for this party, of course, is going to be a, a, a very, very large question. Um, I, I have stated before with clarity that the minute they have a speaker, this all goes away. 
You can then focus on other issues. You can then focus on uh, the, the serious, serious issues that are taking place within the Democratic Party, which are massive uh, because of what's going on with Israel. But there's no doubt that this has officially reached the ugly phase. It's ugly. And this party is in an odd place. And I'll say it again. Matt Gates was wrong. He was wrong. And Nancy Mace was wrong. And this entire crew was wrong. You don't make a move without a plan. Don't tell me we're better off. That was short-sighted and silly. You got to play the long game. Jim Banks is right. We need leadership. We need adults in the room. We need a plan. And we need to groom the next generation. This is Tony Katz today. now is Sidney Powell, one of the top lawyers that was working for Donald Trump after the 2020 election. She is pleading guilty in the election subversion case that she is charged criminally in in Georgia. This is the state level case against her and 18 other defendants, including Donald Trump, including Mark Meadows, including Rudy Giuliani. And in that case, she is not only pleading guilty to some charges there. She's in court currently at this very moment, entering that plea before a judge. She also is agreeing as part of this deal to testify at future trials. Oh, my. Well, this can't be good news for Team Trump. Not at all. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. This is Sidney Powell in that trial right here. Let's give this a listen. No, maybe not. I tried to give it a listen. I... I really and truly did. Pleading guilty, agreeing to testify, that's that's officially a problem. That is officially a problem for the Trump team. Now you say to me, are, are you sure? Well, maybe I'll say it differently. It ain't good. It ain't good. Now, there's another way to look at it, that the Fulton County prosecutors have dropped all seven felony charges against Sidney Powell in exchange for a misdemeanor plea. They overcharged, which it's Fulton County. Well, of course uh, they did. Of course they did. Even when you take a look at the Associated Press story, Sidney Powell pleaded guilty. Wouldn't it be pled guilty? Neither here nor there to reduce charges Thursday over efforts to overturn Donald Trump's loss in the 2020 election in Georgia. She's part of that whole RICO charge from Fannie Willis, the the, uh, prosecutor there in Fulton County. She entered a plea just a day before jury selection was set to start, pled guilty to six misdemeanors accusing her of conspiring to intentionally interfere with the performance of election duties. She'll serve six years probation, be fined $6,000, will have to write an apology letter to Georgia and its residents. Well, that's that's very struggle session. That's, that is, that is great. Uh, also agreed to testify truthfully against her co-defendants at future trials. 
Now, you understand where the original charges were. Racketeering. And a series of other counts. In a wide-ranging scheme to keep uh, Trump in power after he lost the 2020 election. She also participated, according to prosecutors, in an unauthorized breach of elections equipment in a rural Georgia County election office. She messed with a presidential election and you pled down to a misdemeanor? Hold on. I didn't say you liked her. I didn't say you liked Trump. I'm asking you to look at the thing. Are you saying to me that Sidney Powell, the lawyer, isn't she the release the Kraken one? Sidney Powell screwed with election uh, uh, machines, uh, right? Elections equipment. Screwed with them, messed with them, tried to play around with them. Something we would all consider to be a huge crime. And you took a plea for a misdemeanor? I I, I want to go back to the idea of overcharging. You know, there's an expression, you can beat the rap, you can't beat the ride. What these prosecutors do, man, I, I, I don't usually talk much about my absolute disdain for, for prosecutors, for, for uh, how, the, how the FBI acts in this case, the DOJ acts in these cases. They take all this power that we give them. They absolutely abuse American citizens and because they want some level of conviction. They don't care what they get. It is abusive and disgusting, and these people should be damn well ashamed of themselves. Man, we need an overhaul like nothing else. You claim, I'm going to use this as, a, as just a bit of an example. You claim murder because person X ran over person Y with their car, but you'll take a basic speeding traffic infraction? You'll plea it down to that? I mean, that's the kind of insanity we're talking about here. Go for everything. We'll take the little thing because we get to say conviction. Conviction. That's what matters. It's indecent. It's despicable. Wholly un-American. Now, I'm not here to defend Sidney Powell in doing things wrong. I don't mind Sidney Powell if she did things wrong in being charged. And I will not argue that Sidney Powell did everything right. That's just not who I am and not where I'm at. I will argue. I will argue without question that what Fannie Willis and what they've done in Fulton County is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And no one, no one will take note of exactly how far uh, down the line this this plea had to go. I love uh, that, uh, you know, the news has got quotes. The AP gets a quote from a former U.S. attorney for the Western District of Virginia who called Powell's plea a, quote, significant win for Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. A significant win? You ha- you said that she messed with uh, election equipment, and that's not a, that's not not a felony. Significant win, sure, but let's discuss what this does for Trump. 
I have no idea what what Sidney Powell will say on a stand. No idea. Now, part of the the uh, problem is that people um, are not honest with themselves. And this was very, very obvious when we were talking about Michael Cohen. Do you remember Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen? Was there any question at all, any question that Michael Cohen was going to flip on Donald Trump? Was there any debate that he was going to flip? Did anybody believe at all that Michael Cohen was the kind of guy who was going to hold firm? He was G. Gordon Liddy. He didn't care how close he kept his hand to the flame of the candle. He wasn't going to flip at all. Anyone? Do you know what kind of, and and I say this uh, with, with all due respect, you know what kind of schmuck you have to be to have believed that? Please tell me where we can meet up so I can laugh at you in front of your mother and a cop. I want to laugh at you in front of your kids. That's how ridiculous. Anybody who saw Michael Cohen for a second said, you don't discuss anything of importance with this guy. What, are you crazy? Is this guy wearing a wire? This guy dreams of wearing a wire. This guy has had fantasies that ended up with him having to change his pants over wearing a wire. What are we talking about? Trump picks lousy people. It's true. It's true. Do I know if Sidney Powell's going to say this, say that, or say the other? I have no clue. No clue whatsoever. Not the slightest. Can't wait to see. But as a, a, as a uh, conversation piece, this isn't great for Trump. It's not helpful to Trump. Some people have said that the, um, the case uh, regarding classified documents is the one that's the most troubling, the most problematic for him. I, I don't necessarily believe that. I've never actually believed that. I don't say it isn't troubling. I don't like the idea that he had classified documents. I'm annoyed as I'll get out by it. But if Trump had the documents, well, then we need to discuss the idea that Biden had documents too. And why shouldn't we do something about that? So I've, And if you tell me, well, it's different, I'll tell you yes, because Trump was president and Biden wasn't, and that's the ballgame. That's the everything, as far as I see it. The one that gets me is this one in Georgia. The idea that you can engage this uh, racketeering RICO, um, um uh, and 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 say that well we charge everybody and what we then do is if we can just grab a little something then we can prove that the whole thing's a cabal and we can take down Trump that way and that's all we really need to do that's not about you know righting a wrong that's about going after somebody you hate 
That's exactly what it's about. It's about going after somebody you despise. It's obscene. But it's the one that I think can most hurt Trump going forward. There's also something else to be said. And I think that there is a bit of a of a turn going on. The polling doesn't show it, and I agree. The polling shows Trump way ahead still. I don't know if that's where people are. I don't. I am very curious, and I well, I, I believe that Iowa will not represent the polling, but only seeing Iowa will know that. I could, I could be right, I could be wrong. My take, based on conversations, based on my analysis, is that it is not as strong for Trump as the polling says it is. Just isn't. I think that these things will weigh on people's minds as, well, it's, it's, it's the end. All right, we got to make a change. It's going to do that. Now, that's, you know, in, in many ways unfair. Absolutely unfair. But... Still, I think it's going to start weighing on people. So while this this is a massive plea down from Sidney Powell uh, interfered with an election to basically a slap on the wrist and an apology letter, I mean that's you want to take that as a great win for your prosecutor, you you can, but it it ain't. But it's not good news for Trump. It's it's a problem. And with more and more defendants and more and more of these, that problem's only going to grow. I Don't get me wrong. I'm not a fan of what's happening. I'm only discussing the reality of what it means. I don't know if it moves the hardened Trump supporter, but it might move others who actually want to win in 2024 if they feel that Trump can't. And right now, that's the place I'm in for sure. I'm Tony Katz. Joy Behar wants you to know how brave Joe Biden is. First, making fun of Jim Jordan, but I mean, she's just so, she's just so impressed. (laughs) Zero, none. Not only does the guy go into go right into a war zone, you know, he he also uh, is he did something, some kind of a um, deal with Egypt, yes, so that they're now sending help into Gaza, aid aid into Gaza because Joe Biden did that, yes, and also they're sending um, trucks and things to help. So he did that. This is our president. He also is capable of sarcasm. And you're going to tell me he's too old? No. None of this would have happened if Donald Trump were president. That's the response. Figure it out. That you want to make this argument that somehow this proves how good and decent and valuable and important and special Joe Biden is? Joe Biden is asleep. Joe Biden looked weak. Joe Biden didn't get our hostages back. What in the world are we even talking about? There is reality, and it cannot be denied. 
Joe Biden did not get the hostages back. Joe Biden now has two wars going on on his watch. Joe Biden, you're telling me that he's some kind of hero? Are you? Who's older, Biden or Joy Behar? It is embarrassing. Oh, I have to play it? Yeah, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. I, should, I don't think I should... I don't think I should let the, the, the moment go. Hold on. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. I've got it somewhere. I'll, I'll, you know what? When I find it, I'll get to it. I'll just, I'll just throw it in the middle. It is. This is embarrassing stuff. It's embarrassing. See, I told you I had it. We don't need to spin reality. We need to be honest with each other about what in the world is going on. We need to be honest about what it is that we're seeing. We need to be honest about what it tells us. We have a political party, this Democrat party, that embraces anti-Semitism. We have a president who is barely cogent And you want to tell us what a good job he's doing. We still have 30 hostages. 30 hostages. Americans. And you have the Democratic Party not being condemned by Joe Biden screaming for ceasefire. Which, as we know, the bombing of Gaza would stop if they gave the hostages back. It would stop. And no one says to Gaza, give the hostages back. You've got innocent children dying. I keep, I I have people on Twitter. How come you're okay with Palestinian children dying? When did I ever say that? Well, why won't you call for, for Israel to stop it? We're getting the hostages back. If Gaza cared about children... Gaza, I'm sorry, if if Hamas cared about children, they would do this already. But they don't. So now your argument is that somehow, in some kind of amazing way, Israel has to say, well, I guess it's up to us to be the good guys. I guess it's up to us to do this. No one's going to hold Hamas to account. No one holds Hamas to account. Certainly not Rashida Tlaib, who doesn't care what happens to Israel. Of course she doesn't. That Jew-hating bigot isn't supposed to care. She's a Jew-hating bigot. Joy Behar doesn't care? Anything to cheer Joe Biden. That is messed up. Very, very messed up. You can clearly see that these people have got a serious issue with decency and humanity. Meanwhile, if you think Biden came out good on that flight, that Air Force One flight, you haven't heard it all yet. This is Tony Katz today.